patient walks into your clinic in the sunshine state and he shows you a lesion on his head. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, so the dermatologists do not come in until like 11.30, 12. So you actually have to use your own brain and figure out what it is. After spending a couple of seconds looking at it, you diagnose it as actinic keratosis. Now, how do you treat that? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rick U Podcast with Jack, Daniel, and myself, Gabe, where we keep you up to date on the latest research in clinical medicine. Today's article comes from the field of dermatology, where we discuss something called actinic keratosis. The article is titled, Phase 3 Trials of Terbenibulin Ointment for Actinic Keratosis, published this month on February 11, 2021 in the New England Journal of Medicine. So, what is actinic keratosis? It's a common precancerous condition found on sun-damaged skin particularly the face, scalp, arms, and legs. In the U.S., the prevalence of actinic keratosis is approximately 58 million people, so it is a somewhat common uh, dermatologic lesion. It's a lesion of the skin that results from a proliferation of epidermal keratinocytes. So that's going to be important when we discuss medication. Actinic keratosis often presents as erythematous and scaly macules or papules. It affects men more than women, and the incidence increases with age. It's important to treat because AK, actinic keratosis, may progress to invasive cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. So we have to be on top of treatment. The reported risk of progression ranges of about 8% per lesion per year. Given this unpredictable nature of progression, treatment of all actinic keratosis has been recommended. Current treatment for uh, individual lesions typically include cryosurgery. If there are multiple lesions, we treat with topical agents such as fluorouracil, diclofenac, amiquimod, or something called ingenomebutate. I don't know how important that is to know, but just to put it out there. So, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about terbenibulin right now? Sure. So, the mechanism of action of terbenibulin is that it is a synthetic inhibitor of tubulin polymerization and SRC kinase pathways. It induces P53, which blocks the cell at the G2 phase of mitosis, which stops the proliferation. And it also initiates caspase 3, which causes apoptosis of the keratinocytes. So uh, that makes sense, because like I said before, actinic keratosis is a proliferation of keratinocytes, and this terbenibulin cream uh, or medication is going to cut off this keratinocyte proliferation. Correct, and it actually kills it, not just cutting it off, it makes it, the cells die. So, Jack, can you please explain to us how this study was done? Sure. So this study was actually two different identically designed uh, double-blind trials. And so they randomly assigned one-to-one -one ratio adults with actinic keratosis on the face or scalp to receive the topical terbenibulin or the placebo ointment. The ointment was, was applied to a 25-centimeter contiguous area containing four to eight lesions once daily for five consecutive days. So that's important to note that it's once daily for five consecutive days. 
And so what were some of the outcomes? So the primary outcome was that the percentage of patients with a complete 100% reduction in the number of lesions at day 57. The secondary outcome was the percentage of patients with a partial greater than 75% reduction in the number of lesions on day 27. And then the patients that had complete clearance at day 57 were then followed for one year to assess the safety and the occurrence of the lesions within the application area. So that's how it was set up. So what's different about terabinibulin compared to the other medications, the current treatment regimens? So the uh, current treatment is basically, it has a less um, clearance than the primary and secondary outcome. And then it also has a longer time period that you have to put it on. So usually for a few months, as opposed to this one, which is just five days. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a compliance issue. It's a compliance and it also works better. Mm -hmm. So it because has even better results. Putting this cream on once a day for five days and that's it mm -hmm. is uh, much more effective uh, from a from a patient compliance perspective mm -hmm. than using something uh, for a time span of several months. Exactly. All right, so let's delve into the numbers a little bit, right? The results. So uh, out of a total of 702 patients that were enrolled, 351 patients per trial, there was complete clearance in trial one of 44% in the terbinibulin group versus 5% in the placebo group. In the second trial, there was 54% versus 13% in the placebo group. The patients with partial clearance was also significantly higher in the terbinibulin group than in the placebo group. At, at the first year, there was a recurrent lesion in the instance of recurrence was 47% among the patients who had a complete response. So one year later, 47% of the treatment group had a recurrence of actinic keratosis lesions. Of the people that were completely um, removed, uh, once it was it was completely gone, at, at one year, 47% had recurrence. But for some people that were partially gone, they didn't measure them because it's anyways... Well, do we know gone. what the recurrence rate at one year is for current treatment regimens? Yeah, yeah. So the current uh, treatment is um, 20 to 96%. That's a broad range. So it's a broad range, but this is 47%. So, because the the issue is that conventional treatment is a bunch of creams, and so, and there's also prior surgery, all the things that you mm -hmm. mentioned, so it's hard to nail down an exact it's number. It's hard to measure. So, it's 20 to 96%. But it seems like it matches up exactly along the middle of that range. Mm -hmm. So, and also this would be better because it's only used for five days. So, you also get the benefit of that, and the risk of it coming back seems to be on par with the other treatments that we use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... The most common local reactions to the medications was erythema in 91% of the patients, flaking or scaling in 82% of the patients. Adverse events were uh, application site pain in 10% of the patients and itching in 9% of the patients. But all of these were resolved with time. So these are, these are some of the common uh, findings. You would find them also with the other medications as well. Yeah. You know, erythema, scaling, mm -hmm. uh, So it doesn't change much. doesn't change much, no. Um, so I'll give you some of the numbers for the current treatment. So the current treatment uh, has a complete clearance of 31 to 48% of patients, while this one had 44 to 54%. So it does work better than current treatment, mm -hmm. and the incidence of recurrence is less, mm -hmm. and um, the timing is less as well. Right. And Jack, I just want to point out, if you look on up to date, uh, you you know you look at actinic keratosis treatment. Uh, as of this week, there's a big box 
that actually updates it, saying that terbenibulin is a new possible up-and-coming treatment for actinic keratosis. So that's a that you know that's a really big deal because if up to date is already putting that as a possible treatment, then it's something that's uh, a real possibility for the near future. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so it really is up to date. Because <laughs> <laughs> UWorld, you should know anybody who's doing board questions on UWorld, they only say either cryo surgery or five FU. Uh, they they have no mention. Obviously, they're always a little bit behind. Uh, but there's not going to mention terpenibulin, at least for a little while. All right, so um, so what is the takeaway? So I believe there's a takeaway is giving terpenibulin uh, 1% ointment for five days and seeing if that works. I think that right. pretty much beats the conventional treatment as of now. Do, wow. do we know how that affects um, the progression to squamous cell carcinoma? Well, if you treat it, keratosis, it's not going to progress. In other words, the people that had recurring, the patients that had recurring uh, lesions, were they getting the carcinoma? No, you just treat it again with the yeah. same thing. So you just year. keep treating it? Yeah, keep treating it every year. Cool. Yeah, the issue is that if you let it sit there, if then it, it, could transform, it could transform into squamous so cell. So it's important as a clinician to be somewhat aggressive with treatment mm-hmm. of actinic keratosis. You don't want to sit there and observe don't it. Don't let it sit. Especially if there's multiple lesions in the same area, that's, that's when cool. it gets worse. Cool. Alright. And as a bonus point, if you have your dermoscope with you, um, what does actinic keratosis look like under a dermoscope? Does anybody know? No clue. Um, red, strawberry lesions. Very good, Daniel. It's, it's actually, <laughs> it has a strawberry look to it under a dermoscope. That's how you know you're dealing with actinic keratosis. Wow. Thank you for that pro gift. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. So now for that time of day again, for the question to ponder. The question to ponder is Gabe doesn't like this one? No, I, I didn't give my attending tip yet. Oh, you want your attending tip? Okay. the attending tip. If your attending asks you, um, you have a patient with actinic keratosis, <laughs> what do you want, what, how do you want to treat it? So you can tell them, current treatment, you say cryotherapy for one lesion, 5-FU topical treatment, or amiquimod for multiple lesions, and we're keeping an eye on terbenibulin. The attending will be really impressed with you. Or he'll have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So you pull out this article from the New England Journal of Medicine. Okay, what's your pondering question? Thank you, thank you. I've been waiting all week for this. So the question is, if you have a patient coming in and you're an EMT, let's just say, um, you have no attendings to impress at the current time, and you have a, a guy who comes in and he has radiating pain to his back, and his chest really hurts. And what do you think this is, Gabe? A dissecting aneurysm. Okay, very good. So what the EMT does next is he takes his blood, his blood pressure. And the protocol is that since it's an unstable patient, you take it every five minutes. But by you doing that, you're increasing the pressure on the heart. Now the heart needs to pump out more because there's more afterload because you're putting on a cuff. And you're inflating it on the guy's arm. It's minuscule. It's minuscule if you do it. The guy has a dissection, and if it tears through even more, it could rupture. What are you talking about? If you just if you just pump up a cuff every five minutes, you're increasing afterload on this fragile aorta. Fleetingly, five minutes every five minutes. Let's say the guy has a thirty minute drive. Let's say we ponder it, give it a week, ponder it, ponder it. Daniel, (laughs) just sleep on it. Does anyone ever send you an email answering your pondering questions? 
I usually don't like their answers, um, but yes, I get at least 40 to 50 every single That's week. That's great. That's great. Because I haven't gotten any complaints yet. You haven't gotten any complaints yet because they really like it. Okay, good. Gabe is in a mood today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Ricky Podcast. If you have any complaints, please send them to Gabe. Please, please send them to Gabe, but only if they're about Gabe. And any questions or comments, you can reach us at therickyteam at gmail.com, or you can see us on Facebook and on Twitter at the Team. Have a splendid day.